Hi, Oddings. This is the Something Scary Podcast. I'm your Ate Sapphire. Today's stories come from Indian listeners. We'll hear about a chalva, a haunted house, the urban legend of Naleba, and a lonely ghost at the beach. I receive hundreds of amazing story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that I've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then I also select another four stories that I read aloud for the podcast. If you have a tale that you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. So, want to hear something scary? The our first chapter is inspired by true events that happened to Gorov from India. This happened when I was about 11 years old and lived with my 17-year-old sister Manika and my grandmother. I was sitting at the table eating dinner with my grandma when Manika quickly rushed inside. You're home late, grandma commented, but Manika didn't respond. Grandma called over to her to join us for dinner, but she just walked right past us and straight to her room. Teenagers. So moody, Grandma said. I was pretty close to my sister. We weren't that far apart in age, and we could usually talk about anything. She did have a tendency to be moody, but I could feel that something was different about tonight. So after dinner, I gently knocked on her door and asked if everything was okay. I think you need to be alone right now. I shrugged and headed to my own room, followed by our family dog, Snoopy. I laid in bed, but was having a hard time falling asleep. I felt really anxious and restless for some reason. I didn't understand why. Hours went by, and I had given up on trying to fall asleep. I decided to take Snoopy out for a 3 a.m. walk. The neighborhood was quiet and calm. Snoopy was happily sniffing around. Then I heard a rustling from a bush a couple meters in front of us. From the bushes emerged what looked like a mangy black dog. There were a lot of strays in this part of town, so I wasn't too surprised and continued forward. But Snoopy wasn't moving. I looked down and was shocked to see him low on the ground, sneering. It's just a dog, Snoop, I said as I yanked on his leash. But Snoopy was not budging. His sneering turned into growling. I looked back towards the stray dog and watched as the dark figure stood up, reaching its full height. That was no dog. At this point, Snoopy was barking wildly at the creature. I pulled his leash and ran in the opposite direction. I could hear the booming footsteps of that thing chasing after us. Why won't you play with me? Asked tauntingly. I refused to turn around or speak to it. My grandmother was a very spiritual person and she had always told me to never engage with a spirit that's trying to get your attention. That's how you invite them into your life. So I just kept running, Snoopy following closely by my side. Luckily, my neighborhood had a lot of temples, almost one every 200 meters. I ran towards one of them and slammed the door shut behind me. I waited and listened. The footsteps outside slowed down and came to a halt. I'll come back for you. I fell to the ground and caught my breath. Snoopy and I stayed there until the sun rose. When we got back to our house, my grandmother and sister were already at the dining room table eating breakfast. I saw something last night. It was this this thing. It was chasing us. 
I was struggling to find the words to describe what I saw, but even then, my grandmother knew what it was. You didn't talk to it, did you? No, of course not. But, but Grandma, what was that? It was most likely a chalava. It means illusionist or a shapeshifter. They're created when an unborn child dies and the respected ceremonies aren't performed. And since the child's spirit couldn't take a good earthly form, they inhabit whatever form they can. Usually, a malicious one. Manica covered her mouth. This seemed to really be upsetting her. Where did you see the chalva? Grandma asked. Out by that field where the stray dogs usually are. Ah, that makes sense. There used to be a hospital over there. It was shut down when they discovered that a doctor was performing unauthorized abortions. Manica burst into tears. What's wrong, Manica? You've been acting so strangely lately. <laughs> that chalva. It's my fault. I'm so sorry, Gorov. Manica ran back to her room. My grandma told me that she was just being moody, but it wasn't until a few years later that I fully understood what had happened that night. And now, more Something Scary. This is inspired by a story submitted by Ajanta, whose friend experienced something incredibly strange while spending time in the woods with her father. Once when I was younger, my father decided he wanted to spend some father-daughter time together. I was excited because he was always so busy with work and hardly had any time for me. My uncle had a house near the woods. It was a very pleasant area to be in, although there was a huge, slightly creepy forest nearby. Mom suggested we should go there and do some camping. So my dad and I left for our six-day get-together. The cabin was a single-story house. Two bedrooms with an attached bathroom, a kitchen, a fireplace, and a shed for tools. I could see the forest from my bedroom window, but for whatever reason, I felt very strange looking at it. After unpacking, we had dinner and we talked about school and my friends. Dad allowed me to stay up until midnight just so we could talk. But a few moments before the clock struck midnight, I started to feel strange. My dad thought I was probably feeling tired and told me to brush my teeth and get some sleep. I was about to get ready for bed when someone knocked on the door. Who would be knocking so late? We decided to check who was at the door. We looked out the window and saw a lady in a pink sari and a white blouse standing there. I let out a sigh of relief. Just a harmless young woman. We opened the door and before we could even say anything, she let herself in and went to the couch facing the fireplace. She sat there looking lost and sad. Dad tried to talk to her. Are you okay? No response. Do you need help? Still no answer. Would you like some water? I started to feel queasy again. We couldn't go to bed while there was a random stranger in our cabin. So we waited up in the living room with her. It wasn't until 4.30 that she got up and left. I was so confused by the whole experience, but Dad said to try not to think about it. He could tell that I was still pretty shaken, so he slept in the same room as me. I love my dad. We woke up late the next morning and had brunch. 
We went fishing to a nearby stream, and after preparing the fish and storing it in the fridge, we went for a walk. There was a village nearby, so we walked there and had some afternoon tea and snacks at a cafe. Dad started talking to some of the adults. They asked where we were staying, and my dad mentioned the cabin in the forest a mile or so away. One of the adults turned serious. Strange things happen over there. The cafe owner turned to us and shouted, Don't scare my customers! My dad and I quickly finished our tea and snacks and left, remembering what happened last night. Hours later, we finished our dinner and were relaxing in the living room, just like the night before. We ended up talking until midnight, again. And just like the night before, there was a knock. We went to the window and saw the same lady in the same sari. What was going on? My dad opened the door and the events played out exactly like the previous night. She never spoke. She just sat by the fireplace and left at exactly 4.30 a.m. Now my dad was annoyed and worried, so the next morning he called my uncle and told him what happened last night and the night before. I couldn't hear what my uncle said on the other line, but I could see my dad's face wrinkle with confusion. After a minute or so, he hung up. He went to the closet and found a sewing kit and took out a needle and a spool of red thread. We're going to try something tonight, he said. I was a little weirded out, but I trusted that he knew what he was doing. So that night, around midnight, my dad tied the needle to the thread and waited. There was the knocking. But this time, when my dad opened the door, he inserted the needle into the woman's arm. I reached out to try to stop him, but the woman didn't even flinch. It didn't seem to affect her at all. She sat in front of the fireplace, like she had every other night, and I watched as the thread unraveled in my dad's hand. She left at 4.30, the thread trailing behind her. My dad placed the nearly empty spool by the door and told me to go to bed. The next morning, my dad woke me up and instructed me to go to the front door with him. He took the spool, and we followed the thread, deep into the forest. I was following closely behind my dad when he suddenly stopped, and I bumped into him. I peeked around his tall frame to see what made him stop. And there it was. The needle was laying in the ground where there was a weathered pink sari and a human carcass. After that, we called the police, who later told us that her clothes matched the description of a woman who had been missing for months. We cut our vacation in half and headed home. I'm glad I got to bond with my father. I just wish it could have been in a different way. I've never heard of that method of uh, tying a thread to a ghost and following where they lead, but it's a really unique story, and I'm really glad that you shared it. I don't know if it's a happy ending or a sad ending, but I, I like to think that she got some closure. Our next tale is inspired by a story sent in by Meghna. This is what happened back in 2003 when they were living in India and rented a very strange house. Back then, my dad had a job that took him all over the place, so we moved houses a lot. I generally didn't mind as each house was a new place for me to explore. As a kid, I loved finding all the little nooks and crannies in our new spaces. But in 2003, we stayed at a house that I'll never forget. My dad found a great place that was relatively close to his work. 
It was a rented room on the top floor of this three-story building. The landlord lived at the bottom, and the other two floors were for rent. I loved the thought of getting the top, as that let me see more of the skyline at night. But it was something I never got to do, as other things kept me away from the window. There were three incidents that convinced me this house harbored evil things. The first was early on in our stay. It was raining heavily, and I could barely get any sleep. My dad was out of town, and I was miserably ill. My mom was awake and was preparing dinner, when suddenly she noticed that the light in the balcony was still on. She scolded me for leaving the power on and raising the electricity bill. She ordered me to go turn it off, but as I walked to the balcony, the light flickered off by itself. I thought that was weird, so I investigated. Then I realized that there was no switch for that light. Not only that, there was no balcony light at all. We both saw that something was clearly illuminating itself from our balcony, but we couldn't find what it was. My mom told me to stay off of it from now on. The second incident came during the summer. It was always freezing in my room, but hot in all the others. My mom tried to set up heaters inside, but they never seemed to change the temperature. And it was only my room that was cold, none of the others. So from then on, I had to sleep out on the couch, and we converted my old room into a closet. The last incident came when we were almost done with the place. Now, I was a very good kid. I never drew on the walls or destroyed any furniture, but for some reason, I always used to scratch the bedroom wall with my fingers. I don't know why, but it was like an itch I had to scratch. I had to do it every night just to get some sleep. My parents scolded me for it, but it was like I couldn't physically stop. Soon, my parents had enough of the strange place and they wanted to leave. The owner was sad to see us go and tried to keep us in the house. He asked what was the matter and we explained everything that happened and much more. My dad told him that he fractured his leg on the steps to the building and my mom said she suffered from weird back pain only when entering the house. They even commented on my constant fevers. I thought I was just getting sick a lot, but maybe there was mold growing in the walls. The owner got into a fight with my parents, yelling at them that they were crazy and he didn't need them anyways. We left the house and never had any issues since. Then one day, we met someone new. She came to the door of our new house. She looked exhausted, but was insistent on speaking with us. She explained that she was a recent renter from that old house that we stayed at. There was a police investigation into the strange matters at the house, and the man was arrested. We were all shocked. She said that the disgruntled owner used to have a wife, who he eventually murdered on the second floor many years back. In official reports, it was said that she committed suicide, but now they know the truth. She would signal for help from the balcony, which explains the flickering lights. Her body was also found on the second floor, right below my room. That must have been why my room was always so cold. We believe the scratching also had to do with the wife trying to get in contact with me. People say that the house is cursed. Maybe they're right. I think that the house has some negative energy, which is not of this earth. I'm just glad I'm out of there. Thank you so much for sharing that story. Uh, I'm actually curious to know if uh, any time that you were scratching on the walls that ever spelled out a message or like 
and Morse code or something. Um, I don't know, but I'm glad that you're out of there too. Okay, so there's an Indian urban legend called Naleba, which means come back tomorrow. But for Samar, it's more than just a legend. This is what happened to them a few years ago. This story happened two years ago while I was studying medicine in Bangalore. I chose my college because it was so close to my grandparents' house. I loved hanging out with them, and also having access to home-cooked meals on the weekends was a definite plus. Whenever I had free time, I would spend it with them, and each visit was as pleasant as the next. But one visit rings out from the rest. Something happened that day which still gives me the chills. I remember it was on a Saturday, and it started off as any typical visit. I knew it was going to rain, so I decided to head over there early. An outdoor class got canceled, so I got to leave class pretty quickly, and I went straight over to my grandparents' house. I had lunch, which was delicious as always, and gossiped with my grandparents. They seemed to be in a good mood, but at the same time, I could tell they were worried about something. I chalked it up to their fear of the rain flooding the front yard. I went upstairs to the spare room and decided to sleep for a while. A bolt of thunder shook me from my sleep. I stirred in my sheets, annoyed. I checked the clock. It was three in the morning. The branches of a tree were hitting the window, making a racket. I looked up from my bed and froze. Something was in my room, staring out the window. Another bolt of lightning lit up the room, revealing my grandma nervously touching her hair by my window. I screamed and threw the covers over my head. I was pretty angry that she scared me, and before she could explain herself, I just stormed out of the house, slamming the front door harder than I intended to. I remember hearing something fall over when I did that, but I didn't look back. I really should have. I went to the chai stall nearby to calm down. I knew I overreacted. I can get a little flustered when I get scared. But why did she have to stand by my window like that? And she was so silent, too. I didn't even hear her come in. Ugh, it was so creepy. After an hour or so, I came back to the house. The rain was still pouring down like crazy. I opened the door and stepped on something wooden. and couldn't really see in the darkness outside, so I ignored it and went into the house. I checked my room again. No grandma. She must have gone to sleep. I decided to apologize to her in the morning. But now I was wide awake, so I figured I'd just start studying. The rain was really coming down now, and oddly enough, it was making me sleepy. I went to make myself a cup of coffee when suddenly I heard a knock on the door, followed by a voice. The sound was muted, so I crept closer to the door. It was much clearer now. Someone was asking to be let into the house. It sounded just like my mom. What was she doing here so late? Was she coming over for a surprise visit? My mom was pleading now from the other side of the door. Let me in. Let me in. I knew my mom had a fear of thunderstorms and her cries were really getting to me. I rushed to open the door. My hand went for the doorknob, but as I was about to turn it, something grabbed my hand. It was my grandma. She stopped me and said, That's not your mother. What? I said, That isn't your mother. Call her right now on your cell phone if you don't believe me. I was getting a bit creeped out again, so I called my mother, expecting to hear her phone ring on the other side of the door. But when she picked up, it sounded like she'd just woken up. Mom, where are you? 
I'm at home. Are you all right, honey? Suddenly, the banging stopped. I told my mom I'd call her back and hung up. We both stared at the door. What was that? I asked my grandma. It was the witch. When I was little, this used to happen a lot in my village. There was a witch who would walk the streets in the dead of night, knocking on doors and calling victims in the voice of their mother. If they answered the door, they would be torn to shreds. The only solution was to put a board saying, Naliba, which means, come tomorrow, on the front of the door. So the witch would return the next day, see the sign, and the cycle would continue. We both tried to get some sleep that night, with the lights on, of course. The next morning, we went outside the front door and found the Naleba sign trampled on the floor. I realized I must have shook it from its hanger when I slammed the door so hard. I apologized to my grandma, and she explained how she was just looking out for me when she was surveying the window in my room. I always listen to my grandparents ever since that event, and I never dare to open any door in the middle of the night, no matter what I hear. I've never heard that urban legend before, so thank you so much for sharing that with us. There's something a little bit funny, though, about a witch who sees a sign that says come back later and then she just totally abides. <laughs> but I'm sure if I was ever actually in that situation, I would be terrified. And our final story today was submitted by Shrusti. This is about their teacher, Kira, and something very strange that happened to her when she was younger. Kira came from a very strict family. She had photos all around the classroom of her family, and none of them are smiling. Fun seemed like a strange concept to them, and yet, as a child, she lived in a beautiful home right by the beach. But it was quiet most of the time, and no one really visited since the beach was private property. A location like that would be a prime opportunity to have fun in the sea, but Kira was never allowed to do that. That was until her niece was born. It seemed like the whole family changed after that. The smiles the niece brought to the household brightened everyone up. Their strict, cold demeanor softened, and they ended up becoming a lot more relaxed with all the rules. One of the rules was being allowed to play on the beach. Kira was so excited to finally go out into the waves. It was something she dreamed of every day since they moved there. And now that her niece was about five years old, she could finally go. So she packed up some stuff and headed out with her niece in tow. As Kira played in the waves, her niece would sit on the shore and stack up rocks around the hills. Kira would always check back to make sure her niece was fine, and she always was. Until Kira looked back at her and her niece had her back turned to the ocean, like she was talking to someone. Kira became worried and came out of the ocean to investigate. She slowly emerged from the shore and crept up behind her niece. But nobody was there. Her niece turned around and said, This is Kira. You want to meet Kira, right? Kira looked confused. Her niece was motioning to empty air. Her niece spoke again. Well, Kira, this is my friend. Say hello. Kira was still confused, but said, Hello, and looked at her niece and said, I can't see your friend. Who is your friend and where are they sitting? Her niece got annoyed and said, She's right beside me, can't you see? She doesn't like it if you don't talk to her. Kira began to get really creeped out and said, 
Say bye to your friend. It's time to go home now. Then her niece's face twisted into anger. She stomped her foot down and shouted, No! In a deep, low, baritone voice. Kira knew it wasn't her niece speaking anymore. Kira grabbed her arm, but her niece shoved her back with incredible strength. She went tumbling across the beach. She struggled to get up and then froze. Her niece was sprinting now, right into the ocean. Kira ran after her, trying to stop her. Luckily, a massive wave came down and knocked the niece right into Kira's hands. Her niece was shouting, crying, and yelling, trying to break free of Kira's grasp. Kira struggled as she carried her niece back home. When they reached the house, her family was terrified. Kira warned each member of the house not to let her go to the beach again. That night, they took her to the local church and blessed her. The next day, Kira asked her niece about her friend from the beach, but she had no idea what she was talking about. Her family was thankful for that, but they also regressed into their old strict ways. Kira did some research and learned about an old legend from that beach. A grief-stricken widow mourned for her husband, who was lost at sea. She waited on that beach every day until she could wait no more and walked into the ocean and never walked back. Kira explained the story to her family and told them that that was probably who her niece was talking to that day and that she wasn't a malevolent spirit, but a lonely one. Kira felt bad for this spirit and wanted to take her niece back to the beach, but her family insisted that it was a bad idea and that there was no such thing as good spirits. Neither Kira nor her niece ever returned to that beach, and they never spoke of that day again. If you'd like to submit a story, send an email to somethingscary@snarled.com. This podcast is also available in video form at youtube.com slash snarled. Until next time, sweet dreams.